0: Uh, you know, I've been blessed to uh, have this guy as a part of my family now for how many years? 13, 14. Almost 14 years. Holy cow. Years. Are we that old? <laughs> Man. Well, anyways, Jeremy married my cousin Tina. You guys met at Master's Commission, didn't you? And uh, they have been serving over in Indonesia for... You're you, you spent. Th- you're getting ready to go to your third term, right? third term and so I, I think you've had maybe Jeremy and Tina here once or twice before but let's give them a hand Jeremy Skinner
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Aaron, and I'm so excited to be back at Sunshine this morning. Yeah, I believe it was almost eight years ago uh, that I was here, that we were here before we first went out to Indonesia, and so I'm really excited to get to come and share um, how God has been working through your prayers and support, and thank you so much for, for sending us out. Um, as you said, my name is Jeremy. I've got a picture here of my family, my wife Tina, our daughters Amelia and Evelyn, and actually we just had a new baby, a baby boy named Rowan, so praise God. <laughs> um, amen. And so please, uh, please pray for me. <laughs> Sorry, pray for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, my, my wife and family are watching online, so now I'm in trouble, so that's great. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're serving in Indonesia, and when we first heard about Indonesia, we were really blown away to find out that it's the fourth largest country in the world by population. And not only that, it's the largest Muslim population in the world. There's actually more Muslims in Indonesia than most of the Middle East combined. Mm-hmm. And what's really amazing, you know... It's, it's such an incredibly diverse country. There's 17,000 islands. I've got a picture here of the map uh, of Indonesia. And you can see there's five major islands, but there's so many islands that span all across this area. There's hundreds of languages and people groups. And what's also really amazing, the next slide here, this is actually an overlay of the, of the map of Indonesia over the United States. It's actually wider than the United States on the map. So you can just imagine how hard it is to reach some of these people in these places. And now this term, uh, we just finished our first term as fully appointed career missionaries to Indonesia. And this term, our goal was to finish language school, uh, become fluent, and then get our family moved to the place where we feel like God was calling us to live and work. And in that process, we moved to the island of Sumatra. Now the next picture, here, this is a map of, of Indonesia where it shows where Sumatra is, all the way on the western side of Indonesia. It's actually one of the largest and most unreached islands in the world. We uh, felt God was calling us to move to South Sumatra and to live in a city called Palembang. Everybody say Palembang. Palembang. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) So Palembang is a city of about a million people. Uh, The next slide here kind of shows where Palembang is and a little picture there from the city. Um, It's about a million people, and it's a really strategic location because it's surrounded by these these never-reached people groups, these people groups, uh, unreached people groups. And so I want to share a little bit more about um, South Sumatra. I've got a slide here with some information and some facts um, here about South Sumatra. There's 24 million people. It's 95% Muslim. But what's really unique is that there's eight of those never-reached people groups. So you say, okay, what does that mean? Um, These never-reached people groups, it's an ethnic group with their own language. language, location, and culture, where for over 2,000 years, there's never been an effective gospel witness among them. There's never been one believer or one church among their ancestors. And as that video said, we believe they've waited long enough, amen? And uh, you know Jesus actually talked about these people in, in Matthew twenty four fourteen. He said, "And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come." And now, if we can go to that next slide, there um, you can see in this verse, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, his followers, and he's saying, "This is what's going to happen before I'll come back, before the end." And th- now, in this verse, the word nations there in the original language is actually ethnos. Now, as you see there, it's not nations like countries around the world. It's, it's ethnos. It's these ethnic people groups that are waiting to hear. This is who Jesus was talking about. Now, uh, we use different websites to track people group information, and, and I have one more fact there, so we can go to the next slide. Um, they, uh, they give an estimate of how many workers are needed to reach each people group. They estimate that over 200 workers are needed to reach South Sumatra. So Who's next? <laughs> right, who's coming, um, but right, God is working, you know, um, when the pandemic hit, uh, that we were limited in many different ways, there were shutdowns and different things, and we were trying to figure out, man, how can we be effective in ministry, and I saw this meme, this uh, picture with words in Indonesia, and I thought it really just gave us a good picture of what our life was like at sometimes what we were going through, so this next slide here, this is the meme, it says, percaya sekalipun tidak Melihat jalannya." Okay, it says, always believe even if you can't see the way, all right? (laughs) Right? And so sometimes I feel like this is what my life is like, serving God. You know, it's like just holding on for dear life and just trust. All right, you just got to believe, right? That poor kid, man. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, but man, right in the middle of the pandemic God, you know, I met this guy named Mike. I want to share with you about my friend Mike, and the next slide here um, is, is his picture. Um, he's a, a papaya farmer from an unreached area about seven hours from where we live, and um, he invited me to come visit his village. So, I get in my car, I drive about seven hours through the mountains, the jungles. I mean, there's monkeys running across the road. It was awesome. But I get to his village and, and I spent the day with him. And the thing is, it's illegal to try to openly uh, reach people, to try to openly proselytize. So, I was really just praying that whole day for an opportunity to share my faith. And finally, at the end of the day, Mike looks over at me and he asks me about my religion, what I believe. And so I began to share with him, you know, Mike, I've, I've studied the different holy books, whether the Jewish book, the Christian book, the Muslim book, and in each of them, there's one person, and his name is Jesus. And I said, man, I believe in Jesus because of the miracles that he did. Now Mike looks at me and he says, oh man, I need a miracle, I've been having this pain in my arm, it's really been bothering me. And I said, well, I believe that Jesus still heals, so can I pray for your arm? He said, yeah, you can pray for my arm. So I just say this simple prayer in Jesus' name. He begins to shake his arm around. The pain is gone. Jesus healed him right there. Praise God. Amen. And so, you know, he's surprised, and I'm surprised. <laughs> but, but for the next 30 minutes, like, I, I'm, just, I'm just, he's staring at me as I'm just sharing the gospel, everything I can think of to say in Indonesian. And I'm saying, man, you got to learn more about Jesus. And he said, okay, I will. But the crazy thing is, the next morning I went back to see him and and he said, hey, I want to introduce you to someone. I said, okay. So we, we get in the car, we drive about 20 minutes out of this area and there's a little farmhouse, and there's a Christian family that has moved to this area from a different area, and this guy Mike had just kind of heard that there was a Christian family that had moved out there, and he thought because of what had happened, he he wanted to introduce me, he wanted to take me there. So you can just imagine what they think when I show up to their doorstep, right? You know, there's no foreigners in this area. It's because I'm so handsome, right? That's what it is. (laughs) No, but like, you know, they invite me in, and they're taking pictures, they're texting all their neighbors, you got to see this crazy looking person in our house. Um, but, But so they began to share that the closest church is two hours from this area. He said if they want to go to church, it's two hours one way. And they were saying that they wanted to have some sort of local fellowship, but they weren't allowed to because of the local authorities. Now, the crazy thing is this guy, Mike, he's hearing all this, and he's kind of an influential guy in this area. And as we're driving back to his house, he's looking around going, oh, we got land over here, we got land over here. We could help them find a place to have a church. And now, right, it's crazy, And now we, uh, we have a church that's about three hours from this area, and we're working with them to get a team together and plant a church in this place where there's never been a church before. So God is working, right? Even in the midst of a global pandemic, God is not limited. Actually, the next slide here I forgot is a, a, a picture of that Christian family. I went back to see them and brought uh, some kids' Bibles and some snacks and stuff from the city. Um, the, the father was out in the, in the field working in the, in the, in the farm. But um, God is working, right? And really, this is the vision that God has given us. The next slide here. Um, we're focused on building a Christ centered and missional community of disciples. We're training up the next generation with a heart for missions. And then we're reaching these never reached people in places by sending workers where the gospel has never been before. And really, today, I want to thank you so much for helping to make that possible. We could not have done it without you guys and getting out there. Um, and really quick, I, I want to share how you can get connected with us. On the last slide here um, we do have a website, uh, skinners2indo.com. We're on Facebook. I don't do a lot of regular posting on Facebook, but we do have a secret Facebook group that you can join to get more regular updates of what we're doing in Indonesia. If you'd like to join that, um, send me a message on Facebook and I can add you to that group. We also do an email newsletter. You can sign up at our table in the back or on our website. And uh, you can also commit to pray. We're we're raising funds so that we can go back to Indonesia, but we're also raising prayer partners. We need your prayers. And if you want to let us know that you're committing to pray for us regularly, you can do that on our website as well. Hey, we'd love it if you'd grab a prayer card. We wanted to make sure we really stood out this time, so we got some great, nice-sized prayer cards, so you won't forget to pray for us. I'm just kidding. This, is a, this was a printer error, so I was like, please let me have that. Um, we have regular-sized prayer cards in the back if you want to grab one of those, and we also have some brochures uh, with a little more information about our ministry, but on the back, it's a, um, an, a, a, a South Sumatra people group map with more information about how you can pray for those people groups, and we'd love it if you would grab one of those and remember to pray for our family. Listen, we're honored to be your hands extended to Indonesia, so God bless you guys, and thanks so much. Amen.
0: Um, you guys know I'm heavily involved in missions, and I have a lot of friends that are missionaries, so I understand what they go through. If you're not aware, they don't like doing this. They, they don't like getting up in front of churches. They don't like presenting what they do. They'd rather be out there doing it. But they have to do this in order to go out there and do it. And we can take up an offering today, and We'll. But here's the thing about missions. They need, they need monthly support. And so what we're going to do on our, on our website, we're going, to, we're going to make an area on our on, through our app where you can select Skinners, or we'll, maybe we'll name it Indonesia. That might be easier. But, uh, uh, but we are going to take an offering up today. And so I want you to prayerfully consider supporting a missionary. Now I know you guys know that we as a whole church, we support... We support three missionaries regularly, but we know that sometimes we can feel called to a specific place. And so if what Jeremy spoke about today with Indonesia spoke to your heart, at least pray about that and consider that, okay? So could I have the uh, ushers come up? They weren't expecting this, and you know what, that's fine. It's my circus. (laughs) But what we want to do is we want to put some good seed money into Jeremy and Tina's ministry and uh, that's why we're taking up this offering. So, Verl, if you could pray for our our missionary family. Amen, amen. amen. Well, thank you guys for bearing with us. It's been a... uh, it's been like a one-stop shop for all kinds of things this morning, and I, I do want to introduce you to a near, new series. We just, we just got done with a nine-month, ten-month series on the book of John, and now we're starting just a short little four-week series called A Way Out. Who knows in your life God provides you a way out of many troubles? He, he is just a huge provider, and... Um, he gives us the opportunity to develop spiritually with his guidance. Sometimes he helps us go over these hurdles. Sometimes he leads us to these hurdles. And I want you to think today about your own personal struggles and, and ask yourself this question Have you ever thought no one struggles like I do? No one fights against life like I do. No one has temptation. Uh, or, or issues like I do, maybe you have felt like Satan is constantly having free reign over you and he's pounding you time and time again and you're looking around and you're like, man, no one faces what I face. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Being raised in church, temptation hit me a little bit differently. Because if if you grew up outside of the church, you, you discovered temptation in a little bit different way. In the church, when you grow up inside it, temptation seems like there's this... There's these rules of do's and don'ts, and you are to follow those do's and don'ts. And so at first it just becomes this set of rules that you need to abide by. And so I had my parents who were faithful to God, loved the Lord, but I was serving the God of my parents. So I looked at it more as like these rules that I had to follow. And every time temptation came my way, I saw it as the red button that's in Hollywood movies. You guys know what I'm talking about? That red button that says, okay, no matter what, don't touch it. Now, we don't know why that button exists, but it's right there, begging you to touch it, but you're told not to. And that's, that's what sin felt like to me, like that, 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 that temptation that lingered there. And in fact, when I grew up, whether it was a desire to steal things, which I did a lot as a teenager, or cussing because my friends did it, it was almost that temptation was almost bursting inside me before I did it, like the urge was there, and the reality was it was the desire of my flesh where it's just building and building and building until I couldn't contain it anymore. Then I'd come into church and I'd feel guilt, but this, this default mindset that I had was, well, Satan made me do it. Now, you guys have never said that, right? You've never uttered that phrase. Now, one thing that you and I, we cannot avoid is temptation. And we can act like the pressures we face to sin are completely unbearable. But I want you to look at what God says this morning. So if you could turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I read out of the New Living Translation if you have an electronic Bible. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13. All right, let's begin. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so you can endure. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and its truth and what it means to us. And God, I pray for anyone today that might feel like they're on an island. And God, I pray that their eyes be open to see that they have, that they have brothers and sisters in Christ around them who can encourage them, offer them strength, and Lord, we can seek you, a God that uh, leads and guides us and directs us where to go. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing that I want to address is the differences between temptation and sin. And I want to be very clear about this. And I know that this, this message really, if you've been in the church a long time, it's, it's a pretty simple message, but I think there's some things worth addressing that just to be tempted is not a sin. To be tempted is not a sin. Think about it this way. In the garden, Adam relayed all the info to Eve about what they could and could not eat. And so one day, Eve is strolling through the garden and we read in the scriptures that Adam was with her, but Eve is strolling through the garden and along comes this serpent. Now it says, we're gonna read in Genesis chapter three verses one through five. It says the serpent was the shrewdest Of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit uh, uh, from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, I want you to answer a question real quick Has Eve sinned at this point? She has not sinned at this point. The serpent, what he has done, he is tempted. And we learn at the beginning of verse 6, it started to entice her. But up to this point, Eve did not sin. I want you to think about it this way. Would it be temptation if it wasn't enticing? If it wasn't a little enticing... See, Satan uses what he knows and something that we can establish is he knows your weaknesses. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, it says, "Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, your great enemy, the devil." He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Satan is not like God. He's not omnipresent. But demonic forces, what they can do is they can attach themselves to a family and plague them with temptations. In Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, it talks about ancestral sin and the sins of the iniquities of one generation passing to the next. And something I want to tell you is the enemy's goal is that your destination is the same as his. So, what he seeks to do is he seeks to entice you that you can give into disobedience like he did. So, the question for us then becomes at what point is it sin? At what point is it sin? Now, I want to be clear about this being tempted is not a choice, sin is. So being tempted is not a choice. Temptation is going to come our way. Even Jesus Christ was tempted when he wandered in the wilderness. Temptation is not a choice. Sin is. So the serpent, what he has done is he has tempted Eve, and now she has a choice to make. She can reject it because she has been warned. She clearly stated what she has been told. She knew what was right and wrong, and she could choose to ignore the serpent. But let's look at Genesis 3.6. Genesis 3, 6 says, the woman was convinced. Everyone say convinced. convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. I wanna be clear about this, it wasn't sin for her to look at the fruit believing it was delicious, it was sin when she was convinced. It was sin when she was convinced. See, when Jesus came, something that he did was he gave us a better understanding of sin because what happens is we look at sin uh, as human beings as an outward, obvious act on full display for others to see. But Jesus calls us to reconsider how we look at sin. He did that when he talked about lust. And he says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, sin isn't just this outward act, but it is a heart Issue. We've used that word a lot lately, haven't we? It is a heart issue. And so all of a sudden, I think many people, you guys in here, might realize sin becomes a lot more natural to some of us than we even know it. You can say, Pastor, I've never killed anybody. Maybe you have in your heart. Pastor, I've never slept with anybody else. Maybe you did in your heart. These are real issues we deal with, and these are what we have learned, sins against God. Think about it. We do this with things like anger. We do this with things like hatred, lust, pride. Remember when we mentioned last week the heart is deceitful above all things? And its desires can convince us that something is good when it is not. And that is why God, he calls us to guard it. That is why First Peter tells us to stay alert. Be ready. So here God comes along. God sees our issue with sin. And God provides us a way out. And you and I, one of the ways out that we, 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 we receive from God is we need the comforter. We need the comforter. And I want you to notice, look, the, the, that C in comforter is capitalized. And the reason it is because the comforter refers to the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, Jesus promised a helper to get us through all things. John 14, 17 says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So here Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So if we choose, if you and I choose to welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives, he will help you recognize When you are being tempted. So the question becomes are you going to listen to that heart's desire, the flesh, the enemy, or will you seek to hear from the Holy Spirit? You know, as ridiculous as it is, who uh, grew up on Looney Tunes? And you might remember Looney Tunes, one of my favorite things was where all of a sudden temptation came. And do you remember what happened when temptation came? A little, a little demonic version of themselves popped up on one shoulder. And then next thing you know, there was that there was that angelic presence that popped up on the other shoulder saying, Are you really sure you should be doing this? And ten times out of ten, what'd they choose? They did it. They did it. Now, that, you know, it, it, it's corny, but that is an illustrated version of the battle that we often face when we are wrestling temptation. And so this church is a great example of why I tell you that you need a daily pursuit of God. You need a daily pursuit of God. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to seek God. And I want you to hear me out because how many times have I talked about this before? You need to prioritize that first thing in the morning because that marks your day. Some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, I'm a night person. I'm a night owl. Can I do it at night? And I would tell you if you're not doing it at all, I'd rather you do it at night. But I'd also tell you, a lot of what is practiced at night isn't remembered in the morning. And so I am encouraging you to mark out your day. And if you're not a night person, set that alarm 30 minutes earlier and just take 30 minutes with God. And I'm telling you, it will change the course of your day. You can open yourself up to God's Holy Spirit and His leading and guiding, carrying you out through the day, and then you, in turn, have an opportunity to display to God that you are open and ready to be used by Him for that day. The other thing that God teaches us in how to get away from all this is we need to learn to resist. We need to learn to resist a little bit. A great man that was used by God in the book of Genesis, his name was Joseph. And Joseph was, if I can give you a short summary on Joseph, which if you read his story, that's nothing but short. And I know you guys have just been wrapping up Joseph in Sunday school class across across at the uh, fellowship hall. But Joseph was disowned by his brothers and he was sold into slavery. Eventually God, he started giving him favor and he found himself the number two man under a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard of the Pharaoh. And so he had earned this favor with a guy who had originally bought him as a slave. And he had earned this favor, and there came a day where Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph with lust. And she was demanding repeatedly that he sleep with her. And I want to read for you this, uh, uh, just a moment, in Genesis 39 10 through 12, it says, she kept putting pressure. Everyone say pressure. Pressure. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her uh, way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Here I believe in this moment, Joseph, he was tormented by temptation, and that temptation wouldn't let go to the point that she had his cloak in her grasp. But when push came to shove, he made the choice to run. Run. So you and I, we need to learn how to resist the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Everyone say humble. humble. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. Paul also tells us that we need to flee from temptation. What does flee mean? It means to run. Run run away from it. And I you know the, the the statement resist the devil and he must flee, it does require more definition behind it. You do not have the ability to overcome Satan on your own power. You don't have that ability. But Jesus Christ, he has proven himself already. We just got done with that in John. He has proven to have the victory of Satan. So if you claim Jesus, you cling to his truth, and remind Satan that you are covered by the blood of Jesus, he has no victory or authority over you. He must flee because of Jesus Christ. There are also practical ways we need to resist the devil. Many of you have these devices that are a blessing and a curse. They're called a smartphone. Okay? And frankly, most of the time, it's proved that either they're dumb or I am. One of the two. Don't answer that. But now with smartphones, never has it been easier for this young generation to access pornography. Right? Right? what is inappropriate, things on YouTube that we should or should not be watching, access to music that doesn't glorify God. And the worst part is, many of us, we invite these things into our lives and into our homes. Are you hearing me, church? And what we need to do as a believer is you need to protect yourself from falling into the things that tempt you. Does this mean that all smartphones are bad? No. They can be used for many great things. I guarantee you, this unreached people group that he is seeking, he's going to walk around that area and they're going to have smartphones. I've been around this world, and I've been shocked at the areas I see smartphones, right? And I don't mean to just pick on that, but here's the thing. There are many things that can encompass what sin is. Right? But you know your weakness. You know what your weakness is. So why on earth would you not rid everything in your life possible that is a weakness so that you can grow in the Lord? Are you hearing me, church? Because what I want to remind you of, these are the things that make you stumble. And if you stumble and fall, if you turn away from God, if you find yourself giving in to sin, you have lost sight of the goal. What is the goal? Paul calls it the prize. This race of life that all of us are running is toward an eternal reward. You and I, we need to obtain that reward. But it's not there until we've crossed the finish line. This isn't everyone gets a prize. You get a participation's trophy. You have to cross the finish line. You and I, we need to seek to be an overcomer. Now, you, we can't deny the fact that we are going to give in to temptation at some point in our lives. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone shake their head, yes, yes, I have fallen short of the glory of God. But we need to be quick to repent. We need to be quick to repent. Listen, we know all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but you and I, we cannot allow conviction to linger to manifest inside us and it becomes condemnation it will stir our heart into condemnation and then into shame are you guys hearing me on this i feel like i want to beat a dead horse with this because many of you are are scared to come to the church because of things that you have done do you know the utter nonsense that that is this is a hospital, church. It is a hospital for those who are sick. And we are sick because the world has shown us what sin looks like. And it feels enticing. And we give in to it. And it doesn't make us feel good, though. And the next thing you know, along comes the Holy Spirit. And he offers us conviction. And conviction, it gives us a choice. Now, if we choose not to give in, if we choose to harden our heart, that conviction is going to change into something else. Our flesh takes it and it turns into condemnation. It turns into hatred, turns into anger, turns into shame. But you and I, when we have claimed repentance, In Jesus Christ, you are set free, amen? You no longer have to remain in that shame. And that shame, it it does manifest eventually into anger against God. And that is how Satan manipulates you into turning away from God. Listen to what Peter said in Acts 3.19. He says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped away. That moment conviction comes, the very moment it comes, recognize your need for forgiveness, confess it to God, and move on with intent to go and sin no more. We have a responsibility to react when conviction comes. It's a gift from God, that's the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. When you feel conviction for things you've done, cry out to the Lord and thank Him. That's His gift to you. I'm thankful, church, that God loves me enough to convict me so that I can be redirected on the right path. That's God's loving grace for you. He shows you the way you should go. And I want you to remember as it says in the scriptures, Brian, if you could come play a little music. Remember, there is no difference between what you and others experience. We've all been tempted. We've all felt strife. I, I have had some, some pretty hardened people come up and say, well, look at you. You've had it easy all your life. And I'm going to tell you, my life's been no walk in the park. There's others that have had it much worse. But I know that we all have struggled. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And church, I'm telling you, the more you walk in spirit, the more you will resist. The easier it becomes to walk in righteousness. And you and I, we can have a choice. We have a choice right now. Just as you have a choice when you're tempted to give in to sin or resist it, seek to abide in him today. You can call out to him now. But what he wants to do is he wants to sweep in and God wants to rescue you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to set you free. He doesn't want you to live in shame. He doesn't want you to just stand there in conviction. He wants you to go and sin no more. And you don't have to do that on your own. You do that with his help. Who needs the Holy Spirit? Man, I need the Holy Spirit. And I gotta tell you, when I think about how I've reacted to temptation, I'm not always very proud. But I can call on the name of the Lord today. I can choose to turn my life around and seek Him daily, invite Him into walk with me so that I will not be so susceptible to giving into to that temptation and eventually the more you resist the devil he realizes he doesn't have a fighting chance that's because of the God I serve I want you to just close your eyes I want you to focus on the Lord for a moment Perhaps you, like me, you've struggled. You feel like you and temptation, it's a constant wrestling match. And you want to choose to be an overcomer. You want to claim that comforter to come into your life, to lead and guide you. You want to be able to stand strong and resist it by the power of God. If that is you, and you're ready to let it stop beating up on you because you're sick of it, and you need the power of God in your life, would you stand on your feet? Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, I need that? Praise God! Praise God! God bless you guys. It's not an easy thing to do, but here's the reality. Remember, everyone faces it. And all of sin falls short of the glory of God. So when you do so, encourage what you're doing. You're not displaying to others. You're displaying to God, I'm I'm serious about this. And I'm serious about it with you. And so what we want to do right now is we want to just lift our hands to God. And those who are sitting, who don't have that struggle anymore but have had it, lift your hands to God. And Father God, you see those who have had the boldness to stand and say they are tired of fighting this constant wrestling match. And God, we call on your name. We call on the name of the living God who sent his son to live and die for us. And God, we proclaim right now in Jesus' name that we are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have victory over this by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Satan has no authority here. And God, I pray right now that those who are standing with their hands raised, they are offering up to you, God, their life to say, God, come in, change me. God, I am open to the moving of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I know that you are the difference in my life. And God, I pray that they learn how to resist all forms of temptation, God. How they know how, if it's the smartphone, that they break it up and say, I'm going to a flip phone, or you can just get a hold of me on my home phone. Lord, if it's the computer that God they learn how to put protections on it and have accountability partners or get rid of it completely God if it's anger Lord that your Holy Spirit will stir their heart and cause them to have compassion for those that have hurt them Father God I pray that Lord those who are standing will be given the resources to run And God, they will no longer feel on an island. But Lord, be able to look around and see many people have struggled with the same things. And God's seen you do a great work that they might be free. So God, take over, take control. And Lord, may we no longer have that wrestling match between the enticement of temptation and then knowing what the right thing is to do. God, may we just do the right thing because you did the right thing for us through your Son, Jesus Christ.